Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guest this week is Stacy Gross. Stacy is an RRCA certified run coach and a member of the Run to the Finish coaching team. She is also, if you follow her on Instagram, you already know this, an iced coffee loving runner based in the city of brotherly love. And Stacy joins me now. Stacy, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So first off, I want to hear about your story. I want to hear how you became a runner and how you became a running coach. Yeah, so I always participated in the fun 5Ks, never truly considered myself a runner. I went through the whole, you know, let's get fit for the wedding, had the wedding, was in probably the best shape of my life, and then just kind of continued with it. And I started in the gym strength training with a phenomenal trainer who I think really kick-started my whole fitness journey as to where I am today. And I had signed up for a half marathon never thinking I would ever like it. Obviously hated it when I crossed the finish line, but was so on that runner's high that I just decided to continue. And one thing led to another, another half marathon, another half marathon, an actual marathon. And then the list kind of just continues from there. Um, I saw what a change it made in my life and what a positive impact it had that I wanted to become a run coach myself and help other people kind of reach their goals and add a new habit or a new activity into their life that will not only keep them healthy, but make them part of an incredible community that is always there to support each other. I love that. Now, I find this the same thing because I also started running a little bit later mm-hmm. in my late 20s. And the the life lessons you learn from running are just like the most amazing. Every single parallel to running, you can apply to your life. You're like, I realized on my run today when I pushed through this hard episode, it's like when I was going through that rough path, it's like the most ridiculous application <laughs> to life. Um, yeah. I love that. No, it's really cool. It is life-changing. If you're somebody who sticks with running long enough to realize that you enjoy it, it really can change your life. And yeah, and there's definitely different points in your running, I guess, experience that I think you change tremendously. I mean, you start as a beginning, you're doubting everything, and then you might go through an injury and you're kind of reframing the entire way you look at running, or you might have just hit an incredible PR. I think no matter what part of the journey you're in, you just really learn something different about yourself. I completely agree. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. But that's a totally different conversation. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about strength training for runners. I get a lot of questions about strength training, and we're going to go through some of the basics of strength training and some of those questions that I got and answer them because I love the content that you have on Instagram because you regularly incorporate the strength training that you do in your posts, which I feel like a lot of running coaches talk more about their running workouts and you're out there like with dumbbells and doing the actual workouts because strength training can be such an integral part of success as a runner. So let's talk super basic. Strength training is good for runners. It's not a question. That's a statement, but it is how and why is strength training good for a runner? Basically, I mean, strength training, as I posted last week, is non-negotiable as a runner. It First off, it helps to decrease your chance of getting injured. You're working on strengthening those muscles and the weaknesses that you may have as you're going through that movement of running. You want to make sure that you're as strong as that you can be because as you are running longer and longer distances, your body is going to start to fatigue and looking for those backup ways to keep pushing and moving forward, whether it's at a super fast pace or it's just at a pace to get you across that finish line. So working, you know, your upper body and your core and your uh, quads, if those are super strong, you'll be a faster runner and a more confident runner. Your point about fatigue on longer runs and at races is so important. I always say, if you want to know what your weaknesses are, watch a video of yourself crossing the race line because your fatigue will be so obvious and you'll see where your weak spots are. And 
that mm-hmm. strength training, like you said, it helps prevent injury, but it helps correct the deficiencies that we get because running, it, it works a lot of muscle groups, but it doesn't work all muscle groups evenly, which is why we need to strength train to support the other groups that aren't getting the work that are necessary. Mm-hmm. If you think even what either when you're running or when you're lifting weights, you'll always start the workouts sitting up very tall. And then as you continue to go through and your body continues to feed, you start to like crunch and curl forward. I'm doing the motions as I'm talking to you, which I know no one will be able to see, but just think of yourself like your body going into a C as you're starting to get more and more tired. But if your upper body, your shoulders and your core are stronger, you're going to keep that that taller posture for longer. So let's talk about the most important broad strength focuses for runners. And I know the caveat is that every runner is slightly different and will require slightly different focus on their strength. But the major, let me actually preface this by saying there are most muscle groups are important for runners to strength train, but just for different reasons. Cause I think a lot of runners feel like I don't use my arms. I don't need to strength train my upper body. And that's not true. Hmm. I mean, if you think when you're starting to run at a faster pace, what's moving? Your legs are moving, obviously, but your arms are are pushing. They're you know you're moving them north and south. And the faster you're going, the faster your arms are going to be driving you. So you want to make sure that you're doing you know shoulder presses or chest presses. You can also just do things with bands, you know, pull and push type workouts to to get stronger in the upper body. And then you definitely want to be working on your core. I mean, and your core is not just having a six pack. Let's just start right there. The core is your abs, yes, but it's also your hips and your glutes. So you want to make sure that you're doing planks and um, step ups, push ups, uh, squats, whatever you can do to kind of get all of those muscles activated. So that way, when you're running, the same muscles will get activated again, and they're going to be strong and they're going to support you. Another thing I sometimes hear is runners who say that, oh, I run a lot of hills. I don't need to do lower body strength training because I just get that work on the hills. And yes, while there is a more strength focused component to running uphill, it's not Mm -hmm. actually the same as doing a dedicated lower body strength workout. Do you want to talk about the difference between doing like a a progressive overload or a, a progressive strength workout versus, oh, I'm running up a hill or I'm going on a hike? The hills and the hikes are activating, I think, different muscles than when you're doing a squat or a lunge, you know, if you're doing a lateral lunge or a forward lunge, those muscles are definitely being triggered in a different way. And as, instead of pulling your body up that hill or down that hill, because you want to brace yourself, you don't want to take the hills too fast, or um, your momentum of your body, you don't want to go with the hill, you want to be looking forward and trying to keep that straight posture. I think the core is one of the most important parts. Like if somebody said, I only have time to work one muscle group and I'm like, okay, well, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but I would say I would rather they focus on their core than anything yeah. else, because if they're, if they cannot hold themselves upright, if they cannot prevent their posture from failing them, it almost doesn't matter what else is going on in their upper or their lower body, because the core is where everything originates. That's yeah, that's definitely true. You want to always be engaging your core as you're running. You want to try to at least, you know, you're definitely going to get tired and get distracted about the things in the environment around you. But you want to always make sure you're engaging that core and you're using your glutes and your hips. Um, And that can be as simple as different types of plank variations. You don't have to go crazy and do all of the wild things you see on social media that will come with time. But if you're just starting out, a basic forearm plank can go a very long way. And you want to make sure that you're engaging the core when you're doing the plank. You don't want to have that arch in your back because it's not really doing anything. And you're just, you're holding it for 30 seconds for no reason. Heavy lifting is obviously, is very beneficial, but I feel like there are a lot of people who see posts or content about heavy lifting and think that if they Mm -hmm. can't do heavy lifting with a squat rack or in the gym or like, Mm -hmm. wow, power lifting, then it doesn't count. And like somehow heavy lifting is the only kind of strength training worth doing. And that's not Mm -hmm. true. There are many different types of strength training that are very beneficial. You don't need to have a squat rack to do strength training. That's very true. I, I am able to lift heavy because I've been lifting for about 
four to five years at this point. So I have grown to that point where I know I can do it safely. But if you're just starting out, you don't even need any equipment. You can use simple things as body weight and you'll get just as much as a a hard, challenging workout as you would if you're using those 50 pound plates. You don't need all the crazy equipment to work those muscles in the way that they need to. And if you think about it, it's the same way that you would approach running. If you're a new runner, you don't throw yourself Mm -hmm. into marathon training. Like you start where you are and you build from there over time. And strength training is the same thing. Yes. And even when you're incorporating the strength into your training, you want to make your hard days hard. So if you're running a hard workout that morning, whether it's um, intervals or progression run or, you know, running at marathon pace, you want to put a hard strength workout that same day so that you're allowing your body enough time to recover. So if you want to, you know, do higher reps or a higher load that day, that's the day you want to do it. So let's talk about kind of the basic ways about including strength training in your running. So, cause I do get this question a lot. How do I fit strength training in? How often should I strength train? How much strength mm-hmm. training should I do? So other than, because I say this too, keep your hard days hard and keep your easy days easy. Yeah. So add your strength training to a hard running day, or if you don't have any hard running days, add it to a running day, not a rest day. But other than that, what are some of the general guidelines for somebody who might be just starting to add strength to their routine? What would you recommend that they do to include strength training in their training? I would try to add at least two to three days of strength training into the schedule with your running. And I would add maybe the leg focused day towards the beginning of the week if you're doing your long runs on the weekend. So that way, by the if you're doing leg day on a Monday, your body has enough time to kind of um, recoup by the time the long run comes on Saturday or Sunday morning. So then that leaves you with focusing on upper body and then maybe even a full body day. I try to always do at least 10 to 15 minutes of core work four days of the week. And then also adding in maybe some sort of hip mobility exercises and stretching because those are also super beneficial as well. Yes, because uh, that just helps your body move better in general. Overall, mm-hmm. you do a better range of motion, better mobility. Um, I do feel like some runners are struggling with including all of that into their training, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's easy if you're a running coach, if you're me or if you're me and like, this is kind of what we do. We might have a little bit more time than somebody's working out of the home 70 or 80 hours a weekend. They have a bunch of kids and commitments and that sort of thing. So it's easy for us to say, well, yes, of course I run for 10 hours a week and I do seven hours of ancillary exercises and mobility and strength and stretching and foam rolling Mm -hmm. stuff on top of that. But an, the another runner might look at us and say, I don't have time for that. That is absolutely bonkers. <laughs> um, in terms of the prioritization of beyond running of the other stuff that somebody would include if they had limited time, what do you think has the most bang for the buck in terms of uh, a set of exercises or a strength focus or a movement routine? Like what would you recommend to somebody who has really limited time outside of their running? I would try to add, like I said, those 10 to 15 minutes of at least core work because you're working your legs when you're running and the core work can also include the upper body. Like if you're doing push-ups or planks, you're definitely going to be using the upper body, your arms, and then the core. So if you can at least include those, I think that would help you to slowly start to see a difference. The other thing that you can add, definitely do dynamic warmups before you're heading out the door for your runs. And that that will almost equal out with doing some mobility work because you're going through the motions that you do as you're out there running, just focusing on different sections at a time instead of combining them all together. I love, yes, with core and your upper body. I have to say when I started really, you know, okay, I'm going to include core in my routines mm-hmm. now. And I have a Peloton, so the Peloton classes. And I started doing yeah. a bunch of Peloton core classes and it wasn't my core that was having trouble. It was my shoulders. Yeah. Like that is, it can yeah. be a really, depending on what the movement is, especially if you're, you know, on the ground, if you're on your forearms or whatever it is, it was my shoulders that fatigued faster than my actual core did. So that was like a, a bit of a, a wake up call <laughs> for my upper yeah. body strength. <laughs> yeah. And I always, I always say to my athletes, you know, the one thing that I'm you know, really big on is form. So if I give them any type of 
you know, strength workout, if you feel that your form's not right, I'd rather it be quality over quantity. Adjust and, you know, alter the workout to what's best for your for you and your your level. So if you need to drop down to your knees when you're doing a plank, do that because then you're going to get more out of it than just, you know, suffering through and maybe even injuring yourself because that's not worth it. And also look at yourself either in the mirror or if you set up your phone, like just you know, so you can look at yourself on your camera. Like it, it's not, it's not weird. It's actually good. You should know yeah. what you look like when you are doing these movements. So you know, whether you're doing them correctly or not. Mm-hmm. And it also helps you to see where your, your weakness is. If you're doing glute bridges, are your hips dipping or you're able to pull them up as high as you can? And how long can you hold them up there? And if maybe after eight reps, you're starting to see that you're starting to dip, then all right, you know, this is something you really need to work on. When it comes to heavy weight and lower reps versus lighter weight and higher reps, because I get this question quite frequently too, because I, you know, especially if you're a person of a certain age, remember the age of toning where you did like 95 million reps with five pound weights. Um, (laughs) Is there one that is necessarily better than the other, or is it just something that's different depending on what you're trying to do? I think it's just something that's different. It depends on what your end goal is. If you're trying to really you know, work up and focus on getting the muscle, then you're going to want pivot towards one. If you're just trying to work on getting stronger, then you're going to want to go towards the other one. It just all depends on what the end goal is, but always keeping in mind, is your form correct or not? Yes. And there, for people who are thinking, well, if I I have to lift heavier, else it doesn't count. You have Mm -hmm. to start with a weight you can even lift properly. Yes. There's nothing wrong with lifting five or 10 pounds. Nothing at all. Don't feel ashamed if that's where you have to start. I mean, we've all started somewhere and some of us are just built differently in general. We might not be able to lift 20 or 25 pound weights and that's totally okay. The runners that you work with, what strength imbalances or muscle weaknesses do you tend to see over and over again? People will come to you and you say, I see They all have weak hips or they all have weak glutes. What do you tend to see patterns of in your runners? Definitely the hips. I think we're all guilty of that. I'm guilty of that myself. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, you know, it's something you got to work on and you got to be including the mobility and the stretching into that as well outside of just the strength work. I think everyone's just neglecting their core at the end of the day. You give someone planks and they're like, ugh planks, I can barely hold that for 10 seconds. And once you are incorporating it more and more week over week, they're seeing themselves become stronger and they're being able to hold it longer. That's one of the most amazing things about strength training is that when you stick with it, you actually see fairly rapid progression in the weight you can lift, the number of reps you can do. I mean, we talk about, you know, one of the most important qualities and when you're training for a running specific race is that you kind of have to be patient, like for months Mm -hmm. or years, depending on what your goal is. But it's pretty easy to level up with strength training in just a couple weeks or a month, you'll notice a marked difference in your strength. Yeah. And I think, you know, repeating different strength workouts week after week, is good, but you also want to keep some variety to them so that your muscles don't get used to those movements. So you could always do like an A and a B week. So you're alternating the A weeks will be doing one workout and the B weeks will be doing something else. That way you don't get used to it and get bored and your muscles, the same thing. What is it? One of something about muscle confusion. Wasn't that a premise of somebody's workout a while ago? They're like, oh, every single time you work out, you should do a different thing. So your muscles get confused. And that's not really how our muscles work. (laughs) But that is more about varying the types of movements that we do so that we are getting a more well-rounded workout for, you know, even in the same muscle groups, moving in slightly different ways produces slightly different results. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, take the side plank, you can hold it you know, with your legs on top of each other, or you can add in the twist, or you can add in lifting the leg up and down that's on the top. Still a side plank, but totally many different ways of doing it, depending on what, you know, your level is. How do you feel about when people are in a plateau and adding strength training? Because they, a lot of runners, when they plateau, tend to just try to run more But sometimes what they're missing is a strength component. Do you have any experience in seeing runners add strength and overcome a plateau like that? 
I haven't seen much of it yet, but I'm sure I will see a ton of it as I start to work with more and more athletes. But I think it just, it helps to shake things up. It helps to break up the monotony of running the miles because we're putting in four five, six, seven days a week of running. And I think strength training just helps us to kind of keep things a little bit different um, and challenge us in a different way. Yeah. I feel like for, again, we spend so much time running that strength Mm -hmm. training can feel like it's not important, but it actually, it is so important to becoming a Mm well-rounded, durable, injury-free, strong runner. Yeah. And I think it shouldn't be something that you're afraid of. I know a lot of people are probably very intimidated by strength training because they see the people who aren't runners and they um, predominantly do strength training and they have these huge muscles. And if you add strength training as a runner, you're there's not there. You could, if you're doing certain types of workouts, get those larger muscles. But if you're sticking to, you know, a strength training for runners type plan, it's just going to be making you a faster and stronger runner. So again, going back to like, there are many different ways to approach strength training. And the most important thing is to start where you are. And so especially, I don't know if the pandemic has made it easier or harder for people to get more comfortable with strength training. Cause I do know that, I mean, pre-COVID, a lot of people thought, well, I have to go to a gym to strength train and the gym is intimidating and the weight area is intimidating. I want to deal with that. But now we're all in our houses and we've bought all this lovely workout gear (laughs) from TJ Maxx, like my new kettlebells, which I knew I told you I was going to mention. But there are many different ways you can include strength training movements, like you said, whether it's body weight or with resistance bands or with dumbbells Mm -hmm. or kettlebells, or if you do happen to have access to some sort of barbell squat rack or more advanced equipment. Can you talk about some of the basic movements, which you already have, that you can do either body weight or adding progressive layers of resistance as you add equipment? Yes. If you want to just think of the squat, you can do a body weight squat or you can add dumbbells to that squat. And depending on how you're holding them, sumo squats, you're adding the different weight to that movement. And then you can progress it. The harder and harder you want to get, the heavier and heavier you can make your dumbbells. But if you want to keep out the dumbbells in general, you can add um, resistance band to your thighs to give that kind of extra challenge as well. You can do the same thing with any type of lunges. Start out super basic with just your body weight or slowly increase the amount that your dumbbell is to kind of make it a little bit more challenging for yourself. So you have squats, a good solid classic basic movement, lunges, another solid classic. And there are, I mean, endless variations, especially with lunges. You can go forward or you can go backwards or you can, you know, pulse (laughs) without the dumbbells and you're going to have a great burn. (laughs) What about something like a deadlift or any sort of single leg, like one side, like pistol squats or I, which I cannot do. I am working on it. I do not have the single leg strength to actually execute a pistol squat, but one day I will. <laughs> Where can I? Um, I would say one thing that might be accessible for everyone is even just step ups and step ups are great because you can also work with your running form when you're adding in the knee drive. So driving your knee and adding in using your opposite arm, that will help for you to mimic it when you're out on the road and the step ups, you can use a bench. You could use, if you have a Peloton tread, that's high enough. If you want to use that, add in a weight eventually when you're ready and, you know, you could do the step ups and kind of have a pulse. Even when you get to the top, you can, you know, vary that in many different ways. And you're, you're really going to be strengthening those quads up, even the calves too. Or even like stairs, you know, like this in terms of like a, you don't have to buy special equipment for a lot of this stuff. It's just find any sort of, you know, what do you think the minimum is like eight inches or 10 inches off the ground? Probably eight or 10. Yeah. That sounds, sounds pretty. So that would probably be like maybe the second or third step up on a generic set of stairs. Yeah. So making it really just easy with whatever you have. I remember when the pandemic first hit, I was doing big Tetra packs of like, you know, almond milk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I yeah. didn't have any at home equipment yet, but I was like, I, at least I have these, you know, I'm like shoulder pressing my almond milk, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can get I mean, a, anything. you can get a good workout with uh, stuff you just find around the house. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So let's talk about another thing that strength training might cause, and that is muscle soreness. And Mm -hmm. it is very common to experience muscle soreness whenever you try a new activity, but the goal of strength training should not be to cause sore muscles. Do you want to talk a bit about the dividing line there? Yes. You don't want to be working your body so hard that you cannot do simple tasks the next day. This may happen if you're working a muscle group for the very first time. So you're waking these muscles up from doing 10 squats with, you know, 15 pound dumbbells. You're going to wake up the next morning and be like, did I just run a marathon? Like your glutes are going to be crying, but that's because you're not used to using them that in that way. But once your body kind of adapts to those movements and you're doing them, you know, once a week, every other week, whatever your schedule is, you should have a tiny bit of soreness, but it shouldn't be something that lingers. If something is lingering, then there might be something else that you're either doing wrong or you might've kind of tweaked something maybe improper form or your load is too heavy. Especially if it's one-sided, if you're, if you've worked both sides of your body and you're only feeling the thing or the twinge on one side, that's a sign that something might be a little bit off. Yes. And you definitely don't want to push through it, you know, check in with yourself and is this a normal feeling for you or is it, or is it out of the norm? Is it hindering you from doing normal activities? And if so, if, if you have a PT, just check in with them and let them know kind of, this is what I did and this is how I'm feeling now what do you advise you could do? And that could be, you might just need to foam roll or use some sort of other recovery tool, take some rest, or you might need to go in just for some sort of adjustment. What about when to strength train on those days that you're strength training and running in relation to when your run is? Do you recommend that runners strength train before they run or after they run? I've typically always done it after I've ran. And it's funny because one of my athletes just asked me this exact question. And I mean, I don't see if there's much of a difference. I think it's kind of whatever works with your schedule. You know, I run in the morning and then I lift at the end of the work day. But I know some people that will run and then maybe in like 45 minutes after their run, will go and they'll, they'll do whatever their strength workout is for that day. So I think it's kind of whatever works for your schedule and, you know, making sure that you're fitting it in. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I I don't know if this is something that I actually learned or if this is something that I just like have a, I read somewhere once, or maybe I made it up in a dream is that if your goal is to like bodybuild, then you should Mm -hmm. prioritize your strength over your cardio. And if your goal is to develop your cardiorespiratory system, your aerobic capacity, you should run and then lift because your Mm -hmm. primary activity, your primary focus should be the one that you do first so that your freshest, your body's Mm -hmm. most available to get those benefits. And then you do your secondary or supporting activity afterwards. Exactly. Yes. So I get a lot of questions about when the best time to start a strength training routine is. And, uh, I understand that we runners are a very ambitious bunch. And a lot of people will say, well, I'll start my strength trainings when I start my marathon training. And that's not always the best strategy. If you have the ability to start strength training before you start your marathon training, right? Yeah. Yeah, you definitely, when you're looking at a training cycle, like if you're in a down period right now, say we're doing a fall marathon, you're probably going to start training for that maybe mid-June, early July, depending on if it's in September versus November. So use this time right now to do those more intense strength workouts and just getting comfortable with doing strength workouts. As the training cycle begins, still continue to have those two to three days of maybe some more intense strength work. But as your mileage is increasing, your strength work, or at least the intensity of your strength work, should decrease. So that way you're focusing more on, you know, those 15 plus mile runs and not so much on the lifting heavy or getting in the three days of strength a week, maybe cutting it down to two days a week. That trips a lot of runners up, uh, especially runners who are building up to newer distances for the first time, because for many newer runners, the only thing they've ever done in their running career has just a bit to add, to add more, to add more miles, to add more strength. They're doing strength training for the first time. And so they get the impression that build, you just kind of build continuously. But I was actually talking about the periodization of training the other day with somebody. It's that it is 
completely normal and actually preferable to have periods in between your training cycles where you're not running as much or you're, yeah. you're running with a different focus or you're spending time doing other things mm-hmm. like strength training or cross training or whatever it is. Like that is a completely mm-hmm. normal part of how you become a, a better runner in the grand scheme of your running career. Yes. Absolutely. I'm in a downtime right now before I pick back up in June after very long four months of intense half marathon training. And I'm just running by feel, but spending more time on the strength work. And it's totally fine by me. Like my body is thanking me for it, but I'm able to focus on some of the strength that I wasn't able to focus on the last month and a half because I was starting to hit that taper phase. So my heavier lifting days where we're being replaced with stretching or mobility or drills. So, you know, maybe think of it not as taking away, but just adding in other things that might be a little bit slower, but they're beneficial when it comes to race day. And taking those down periods can also be beneficial in heading into your next training cycle as injury free and durable and strong as possible, because you don't want to have taken a couple, you know, maybe a month or two months or however long the period is of a downtime and then got into week one of your marathon training and go, wow, I probably should have worked on the hip issue that's been bothering me for the past year. Like the time to take care of that was before you started your marathon training plan, if you already knew about it in advance. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Do not ignore what your body's telling you and do not just continue to keep going harder because you think you're going to lose your strength. You're, you might lose a tiny bit of it, but as soon as you get right back into that routine, you're gonna, your body's going to be like, oh yeah, I know what we're doing here. Let's just pick it back up where we left off. So let's talk a bit about hip strength and those stability muscles. And yes, I mean, most runners have their hips are just a disaster of either weakness or imbalance or poor mobility or some combination, all of the above. And the questions I get about fairly minor injuries or even form corrections most times my response is strengthen and mobilize your hips, strengthen and mobilize your hips. That will fix many, many common running issues. Talk a bit, if you can, about just some of the common hip strengthening exercises and why that's so integral to your fitness as a runner. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of um, banded hip exercises. So doing the side hip abductor, abductors, whether you're laying on the ground or if you're standing, you know, using those with a light resistance band or even without the resistance band is just good to kind of wake up the hips and strengthen those uh, muscles there. And even just doing, you know, the, the running man um, drills to kind of work on your form, but also work on your hip mobility. Clamshells are another really good active uh, exercise that you can do banded or not banded, depending on, you know, what your comfort levels are, you know, hip circles, fire hydrants, all of those kind of not so fun exercises. Cause you're kind of like, I look really funny doing this, but they're very worth doing every second of them. I like to do those in front, like while watching TV, like Netflix, like it's super easy. Just <laughs> grab your resistance bands, hit the floor, watch Netflix, do your clamshells, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, anything you can do in front of the TV, it's mindless. So there's no excuse why you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so out of curiosity, cause I, you said you've been strength training fairly seriously for several years now, mm-hmm. when you started strength training, what did that look like compared to what you're doing now? <laughs> it's funny. Cause I look back at old videos and photos and I'm like, wow, I could barely do that then. And now I'm doing that plus adding weights to it, you know, that's like, you know, add, doing the plank and adding the plate to my back, which a lot of people have seen those photos on Instagram. That had, take, had taken me a very long time to get to that point. So if you're new, do not start out with a 25-pound plate on your back doing a plank. I do not um, suggest starting there. But, I, you know, I was lifting tiny weights. I doubted myself. I wasn't confident. And I had an incredible trainer that helped me get, you know, get through that new-to-the-gym anxiety. He was kind of a different trainer. So he was doing exercises in a very unique way, but that unique way kind of, I think is what part um, sparked my interest. And I'm someone that likes to be challenged and I don't like being defeated. So I'm going to work towards that challenge until I can master it and then kind of move on to what's the next step of making that a little bit more difficult. Um, but just keep working at it because it's worth it. It's really cool to to look at your progress to see, like for pull-ups, for example. I know a lot of people want to be able to do 
pull-ups, myself included. And it's a struggle at first because you're working your core, you're working your upper body, and it looks so easy when you see it done in a, in a video. But then when you go to do it, you're like, why can't I do it? Like, I, I thought I was strong in these parts, but I guess I'm not. So add the band or add just doing one at a time. There's nothing wrong with that. And track yourself, like you said, um, with videotaping. See how you progress over a month, even over a week or a week or two. And you, you probably probably will surprise yourself. I'm so glad that you brought up that I'm so strong or I thought I was strong or I'm good at this mm-hmm. other thing. And once we become good at something, we don't like to go back to not being good at things. So yes. that sounds like it would be a fairly high barrier to why somebody would not only start strength training, but keep strength training. Because once we're like, you know, if you've gone to the point in your running where you're comfortable and you're probably mm-hmm. hit some PRs and you're like, yeah, I'm a runner. Like I got this. And mm-hmm. then it's hard to do a, a push up or it's impossible to do a pull-up, or you can't really hold your plank for more than 15 seconds, that can be very demoralizing as a runner. But that's also completely normal. We're not supposed to be amazing at everything all the time. Yeah, I have to remind myself of that because I'll see, you know, these reels or these videos and I'll try to do them myself. And then I go to my PT and I'm like, why can't I do this? I know I'm strong and, and, you know, my upper body, but why can't I do this? And he goes, well, you know, you are taller and the person doing this video is shorter. So they don't have to, you know, move their body in that way as, as much as you do. At the end of the day, we're all different athletes. And what I might be able to do might be a challenge for someone else and vice versa. And that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So I really encourage anyone, if you're frustrated the first time trying some sort of strength workout, go back for the second time and just see see it from a different way. And then go back for a third time. And you're just going to keep getting stronger and stronger. So don't don't be intimidated and don't be scared. It's... It can be a lot of fun. I promise. (laughs) And these strength workouts are not like, don't do, don't make the very first thing you do some sort of TikTok challenge like that. Nothing crushes your confidence. Like having a 15 year old girl destroy an ab routine that you can barely start. (laughs) And that's why I'm trying to be more mindful of that when I'm posting them myself, here's an advanced type of movement or flow but then here's also you know the more if you're just starting out type of movement um so i know i need to because i need to be mindful of that myself i can do the more challenging things but i've been doing it for four to five years not everyone is at that same point and that's the kind of double-edged sword when it comes to Instagram is that it does open up our ability to see what a variety of different people are doing and the movements that they're doing and the routines that they create and create. But there is a lot of content out there that's just supposed, it's supposed to be really hard and it's supposed to Mm -hmm. just look good. It's not supposed to be a normal functional fitness thing that you will be able to easily incorporate into your own life. And I think a lot of people have trouble differentiating between the two. Yeah. And it's even, you see different videos But at the end of the day, those movements are actually harmful to you. They may look cool, but they're not good for your body and they could, you know, lead you to getting injured. So that's something to always keep in mind when you're scrolling through these reels on Instagram that this might look cool, but at the end of the day, it's not good for you. I was going to ask you, do you have any examples of things that you've seen where you're like, oh God, please no, like don't try this at home. (laughs) It's like those crazy flying planks or the, the one challenge where they're like slamming their uh, forearms on the floor. <laughs> yeah, the flying, what is it? The the jumping, I, I know there's a name for it. It's like the push-up with the flying push-up plank. I can't even. Yeah, it's something along those lines, but I'm just like, oh, that has to hurt. Yeah. Like that, that can't be good. <laughs> if it looks like it belongs in Cirque du Soleil, it probably doesn't belong in your strength routine for running. <laughs> That's a great example, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So if you were to devise a really simple, let's say I have a runner who needs to strength train 15 to 20 minutes, two to three times a week, and they have access to resistance bands and dumbbells. We talked about the squat movement. We talked about the lunge movement. We talked about planks. Are there any other basic movements that you would suggest they could incorporate for their strength training? It's a great question. I would say definitely different types of push-ups. I would say... And push-ups on your knees totally count. Yeah. <laughs> push-ups on 
my knees absolutely count. I even drop down to my knees from time to time because I'm just so fatigued or I just don't feel like doing real ones that day or not real ones, extended legs that day. Um, you know, just simple things as jumping jacks or um, air squats or the side lunges, just keeping everything very, very simple. That's the thing. Keep it simple. You don't need to be extreme. I think just keeping that in mind um, when you're entering anything. I was talking about this with cross training with another one of my guests is that just because it's harder doesn't mean it's better. And I think with strength training, the same apply. just because it's complicated doesn't mean it's more beneficial. It just means that it's complicated. Yeah. And it doesn't make you weaker if you're doing a more easier type of workout. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you, you know, any less badass of an athlete, you know, you, the basics are the basics for a reason. And, you know, you take the basic movements and you can make them more challenging, whether it's doing it on one leg or adding weights and using one leg or one arm and adding weights, you know, everything can just kind of increase. I have a running joke with my husband that if we just want to make it harder, do it in plank position. (laughs) Everything in plank position. Whatever you're doing it, but do it in plank. (laughs) It's like, it makes it way more difficult. Like you thought it was easy. Do it in plank. (laughs) I like that. that. So aside from the classic movements, things we think about dumbbells and resistance bands, there are other ways to get strength training into your routine that are maybe classes or methods do you have some suggestions to people like, I don't really love putting together my own routines, but I would take a class that I found on YouTube or that was streamed live from a local studio. What are some good strength focused methods or classes, or I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of like bar or specific kinds of yoga or other things like that. Well, first I am a coach for run to the finish. So Amanda has put together a tremendous amount and the other coaches as well just different programs. Every month is a different focus, whether it's a month about core, a month about, you know, running drills or dynamic warmups. So definitely, if you're looking for something, hop over to her Instagram and check out the group. But outside of that, you know, Peloton is, I think, a very super simple resource because there are thousands and thousands of different types of workouts. There's a category just with strength for runners, or you can, you know, look at just leg day, just upper body, full body, a hit workout, um, dancing. They even have, I believe they also have a bar program now, or they even have categories. If you just want to work on your core, there's, I believe a four week program that they've put together. So if you, you know, need that kind of in your face as if you're in a class, uh, like it was pre COVID, there's definitely great options there. And again, you don't even need crazy weights or you don't even need weights at all. You know, they have those options as well. I I have a Peloton and I have been really impressed with their strength offerings, the mm-hmm. number and the variability in class length too. With five minute core, those classes are very effective five minute, very effective five minute core workout. Like you only need five minutes. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. My core is sore just from doing one yesterday. <laughs> They, they do not mess around. <laughs> and they, you're right. They have strength for runners and they have different class lengths. So if you have 30 minutes or I think I, probably the longest strength class, I think might be 30 minutes or maybe 45, but it's like in the 10 to 20 minute range, there are literally hundreds of options um, that are really beneficial for runners. Yeah. And they always, they will talk about four minute, you know, is in a little bit of time that they can, because if it's a 20 minute class, you have to get a lot in, in those 20 minutes, but they will go over form and they will go over modifications. So they're not always expecting you to do things the way they are. And they say, you know, it's totally okay if you have to modify this and they'll, they'll show you what that is. What's your opinion on yoga for rudders in general, and then as a strength focused supplement? Well, <laughs> I, I'm not a yoga lover myself. However, I feel that it's very important because you're getting that that stretch stretching component in that I think all of us like to neglect because we, you know, quote, quote, don't have the time to do that. Um, Peloton definitely has a lot of uh, yoga. They have yoga for runners. They have the stretching for runners. You know, you're holding positions for a longer period of time as opposed to going through a quick flow, which I think some of us might 
speed through those workouts. So definitely would recommend at least one time a week to add those uh, type of classes into your schedule. Yeah, I really like yoga as a either a pre-run warm up or a post run. Mm -hmm. I started doing yoga with Adrienne like a couple of years. First of all, she's amazing on YouTube, Um, Mm -hmm. but she has this one post run yoga cool down. That is, I don't know. It's like, it just hits all of the spots I need to hit. It's, I think this silly 18 minute post run yoga thing has basically helped me to mostly prevent getting injured just (laughs) from doing the right mobility and the right, just relaxation post run. It's really important. And it's not, it's not a strength focused thing. It's, it's basically just a cool down, but uh, it can be really beneficial when done correctly. Yeah, I know the few that I have taken, I'm exhausted after, yeah. and maybe even a little bit sore because I'm I'm hitting those muscles that I just haven't been paying attention to when they're really really tight, like my hips. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they'll help you kind of work that out, and you can even go back after and maybe pause a certain uh, area that they worked on and hold it for a little bit longer if you need to. The same with their foam rolling classes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so not, I'm glad you brought up foam rolling, not necessarily strength related, but part of training that a lot of runners find beneficial is to include foam rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, I like foam rolling. I know that there are some physical therapists or some people who like, it doesn't technically do anything, but I, I think it does. I mean, whether maybe not physically, but mentally or what it's doing when it's stimulating nerves, foam mm-hmm. rolling can feel really good, especially when your muscles are a little bit sore. Yes. Yeah, I definitely, I suggest setting a timer on your phone. And as you're foam rolling different parts of your body, do it for maybe 25 to 30 seconds, move to the next part and then reset the timer. So that way you're giving each, you know, muscle group, it's appropriate amount of time and you're not doing your right side longer than your left side. They both are going to be 30 seconds. One might need more pressure than the other on whatever recovery tool you're using, but at least it's you're even on both sides of your body. The symmetry is so important when we're talking about things that have to do with strength or running or movement in general, because our bodies are naturally slightly asymmetrical. And if we feed into that asymmetry, it will cause us problems and potentially cause us injury down the road when we run. Mm -hmm. Yes. Even like you said, with the strength work, if you're doing one arm at a time, one leg at a time, always use the same weight in your dumbbells. Don't do one arm with a 10 pound and one arm with a five pound. Drop down your weight overall if you need to. Don't try to lift heavier because you're not going to be fully completing that movement. You're going to be struggling and trying to make yourself you know, lift that arm or squat down. And again, quality over quantity. And it's also okay to change weights mid-session. If yes. you started out with 10s, and you're halfway through your reps and you're, you're done. Okay. Mm-hmm. So drop down to fives or threes mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you need to do to complete the workout. It's just like in running, if you have the mileage on your schedule, you just might need to slow down to actually get it done. Yes. And start lower and build up. You know, there's no reason to start with what your capable heaviest weight is with that first set. Cause if you have four sets, you know, that's, that's going to be a lot of weight. (laughs) You might be fatigued even by after the second set. So start lower and, you know, work your way getting um, to a heavier dumbbell or, you know, staying where you are if you need to. And then maybe the next day changing. So let's talk briefly about the difference between doing a circuit style workout versus a workout where you have reps and periods of actual rest. So is there a benefit to doing one that's more of like a faster paced, high intensity versus taking time to do reps and then take rest in between? Or is it just something that's different? They're definitely both very different. I think it's whatever your end goal is. So if you're trying to build more muscle, then you're going to want to do more of the less of a circuit. If you're trying to just work on the cardio and you want to go more towards the circuits. Like circuits are trendy. I don't know if they're still trendy. They were super trendy for a while. Everything was like a circuit style, hit style workout. And for runners, we get enough cardio <laughs> on the road or on, you know, running. We don't necessarily need to be adding additional cardio style workouts to the rest of our training. It's perfectly okay to do a slower paced, non-cardio yes. workout when you're doing your strength or whatever the other supplemental training that you're doing is. 
Yeah, there's no, like with the Peloton classes, when they have the strength tread combined, if you're already doing a run in the morning, there's no point in doing the run, hop off the tread, lift some weights, hop back on the tread, run a little bit more, hop back off and lift the weights. Your body's going to be so much extra tired the next day that you're not going to want to do anything because you just did three days worth of work in one day. That is something I will say with the Peloton, the tread classes, especially the boot camp, like the tread and strength classes is that... For runners who are specifically training, they're running to train for a half marathon, whatever, Mm -hmm. 5K, 10K, half pole, ultra, whatever it is. If you have a running specific goal, those types of classes, I would, I would think really long and hard about including them in your training because they're basically, they're fitness classes. They're not classes Mm -hmm. that are necessarily going to help you in your training plan unless you know specifically how they're supposed to be used. Have you ever come across people who are running like all of their running on the treading classes? And because I find this just way too much hard running if you're only doing those types of classes. Yeah, I I personally have the Peloton tread. So I very, I more so I never follow what they're telling me to do in those classes because I have my own workout that my coach has prescribed for me for that day. So it's more of just there to listen to the coach as a motivator and the music. But I would be very, very careful if you're only using the Peloton as like a run coach, because you might pick the very same style of class day after day, and you're not switching up the variety in your types of runs. And those Peloton classes are usually let's go hard every class. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed I have one too. And it was I I just I run in it, you know, I rarely do the classes, but I just do the just run feature. And after my run, I ran this morning. And on the readout, you know, your dashboard, it said it has a workout summary and it had my average heart rate. And then it had what instead of my highest heart rate, it said best heart rate. And I was like, no, that's not necessarily the best. It's just the highest. So that was kind of like, a oh, just another way in which some places communicate how certain metrics are related to us or not necessarily how runners need to see them. Yeah. It's like the whole, the leaderboard, like what's your best output and, out of 200 people in the class, are you in the top 10? Or are you in the last 10? It, it shouldn't matter. You know, your your whatever your effort is that you're putting in should be what matters the most. Yeah. Am I running at the if it's a advanced class? Am I running at the 10 miles per hour? Or am I running what's comfortable to me, where I'm not going to get injured? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so circling back to strength training, I'm Are there any situations in which you would recommend that somebody decrease or change or not strength train? Definitely decrease, like I said earlier, as you're getting closer to tapering and you're getting closer to a race. But if you have any type of past injury, I would get, you know, have a conversation with your PT or doctor to make sure that these movements are okay for you. If you're not able to do a heavier load because you have some sort of uh, lower back injury, then make sure you're very clear with your coach about that. And even with yourself, there's other alternatives um, to those type of exercises. And also learn the difference between, you know, feeling muscular fatigue versus this movement hurts when I do it. Yes, absolutely. I know, like with me with lower back stuff and doing deadlifts, I just have to be careful because I'll get a weird tweaking pain and that's not a good pain. So, you know, lighten the load or instead of having my feet next to each other, do more of a staggered stance. So there's small tweaks that you can do like that to kind of get rid of that not so good feeling. <laughs> so what about strength training during a taper? Mm-hmm. I, so the general recommendation, so a taper, when you taper for a race, you are decreasing your overall volume progressively heading into race day. The general recommendation is you basically keep the same ratio of intensity. You just decrease your overall volume to a point, right? So you're not necessarily, you're not running speed work save for your race. Um, mm-hmm. Does that apply to strength training as well? Would you still want to include some strength training during your taper? Or is this a time to really let your body rest? I would, if you're adding weights to it, I would remove all of the weights from it and just simply do body weight. I would decrease the amount of days that you're doing it. So if you're typically a three-day person, maybe going down to two days, keeping it at the body weight and just doing more movements that will kind of help you for race day. So just making sure that you're having some sort of movement that day. So whether that is just doing a more aggressive, like a yoga class 
or going through your mobility exercises, the clamshells and the um, leg lifts, stuff like that. There's no reason for you to be fatiguing your body with a hard strength training workout. Remember, you want your body to feel its best and most rested come race day, not super fatigued. Like I even noticed it when I tapered back in April, my body felt, you know, really, really good come race day because I cut out lifting weights probably three weeks before I was towing that start line. And I never had done it that way before. And I was like, wow, this actually does make a difference. Like this totally makes sense now. A lot of people don't realize how long it actually takes your body to fully recover. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about two to three weeks minimum in some cases, depending on the type of work that you're doing. That's why your last long run is so far back from race day. Cause you yeah. need all of that time in between to actually see the benefits without additionally fatiguing your body. And the same with strength training. Mm-hmm. The few runs that I, you know, I did maybe two weeks after cutting out the heavier weights when I was in the lower mileage before my race, like I just felt so good because I wasn't, you know, overdoing it with my body with the leg days and the upper body days. Like I just felt so fresh and your body needs that little bit of time just to kind of recoup, whether it's in the taper or whether it's after the race taking, you know, a few weeks off, you, you need it more than you realize. I think a lot of us don't give ourselves that time to realize how good it can feel. I was going to ask post race. I mean, every race length is different. It was five K is way different from a half mar- or from marathon recovery. So in the same thing, so ramping back up, you probably don't want to start, you know, Oh, cool. I ran on Sunday, but it's Tuesday now. So it's time to get back in the gym. Like it's, it's totally okay. And preferable to let your body recover from your race before including strength training back into your routine. Yes. And I know, you know, all of us want to get right back out there and right back into our routines of lifting and running, but at least give yourself a few days, if not a week off. And when you get back into it, start light and start easy. Like I know my mat, like I can lift up to like 30, 35 pounds, 35 pounds, but I didn't jump right back into that weight when I started again. Like I started at 10 and 15 pound weights because I need to reintroduce it to myself. So I'm not shocking my system and causing an injury, right? It always goes back to, we don't want to get injured no matter what we're doing, strength training or running. And it's really hard to lose fitness. I know people, they take a couple days off or they taper for a race or they go on vacation and they're terrified that all of a sudden they're going to get back and be like limp noodles, right? Like it is so hard for your body to lose fitness, to lose muscle mass. It takes Mm -hmm. weeks to really start to see that muscle wasting. And I mean, that's, I mean, if you were to spend, I think it has to be up a week, completely sedentary, like Mm -hmm. in a hospital bed, in a coma to see really drastic effects that quickly. So it it is really hard to lose fitness. So you've worked hard to gain it and you have to work hard to lose it too. Yes, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with just keeping a simple walk in. Like if you need to have some sort of movement, go out and go out for a walk if the weather's nice or walk on your tread if you need to get something in so that you're at least, you know, keeping that blood flow going. Exactly. Cool. This is great. Well, actually, this is perfect timing because I have a strength training workout to do after this. So I'm like amped up now. Um, So Stacey, I found you because you're on Instagram and I absolutely love your Instagram content. Where can people find you, follow you, learn more about you? I know you're a coach. Tell us about that. Yeah. So if you want to follow along, it is S underscore underscore gross, G-R-O-S-S on Instagram. And then if you are looking for a coach, looking for more strength work, I am a part of the Run to the Finish team. So you can head on over to uh, Run to the Finish on Instagram or the website and inquire about being coached or just joining the fantastic Facebook group that Amanda has put together. The community is amazing. Everyone supports each other, you know, people are so comfortable asking questions if they need advice or just kind of you know cheering each other on as we're getting back out into the world for real life racing again so both of those places you can definitely reach me if you have any questions I'm happy to answer any dms always happy to help yay awesome everybody should find and follow Stacy if you haven't done so already and so you mentioned you're running a fall marathon is that correct yes what are you running I'm hoping for Chicago 
So we'll see what happens. I was supposed to run it last year, but as we all know, that got canceled. Oh, cool. We shall see. Good luck. I'm excited. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Stacey. This was an absolute blast. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find me on Instagram at runningexplained or at my website, runningexplained.co. If you have a question you'd like to have answered, you can submit it in my stories every Monday or email me at elizabeth at runningexplained.co. That's E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H at runningexplained.co. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.